Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Well, this is the first Sunday of a new year. Man, oh man. You know, some people say like, well, uh, it's, uh, it's the American, you know, whatever, Greco, whatever you call it, Gregorian calendar or whatever. Does God really move according to the, you know, the calendar? And uh, yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> You know, the, there's, the, there's the Jewish calendar. I think he does some stuff there. And then there's the, you know, like what the rest of the culture follows. And I think he does some stuff there too. There's a lot of stuff that resets, you know, as we charge into this new year. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're reminding us that, that no matter where we are, that there's always a fresh new season ahead, that there's a turning of events. There's a, there's a turning of the tide. There's, you know, how many of you, you have a hope on a future? Right? You have a hope in a future. I believe that God like strategically knit seasons into the calendar just to remind us of that very thing. Everything comes to a close, and there's a spring, a new birth, you know, uh, into a fresh new season. And God, I think, has some great things in store for 2023. You know, I I I can't speak too broadly. My metron isn't that broad, you know. But what I do believe that the Lord is saying that 23 is going to be a good year. You know, I think it's going to be a good year. I, 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 think that, I think that if I could say it this way, God has moved enough dominoes around at harvest, you know, that, that I, I feel like we're going to see some breakthrough over some things. I feel like we're going to have a bit of a reprieve. You know, we've had some tumultuous years, and I, I, just, I just feel like God's breath is on 2023. I think it's no mistake that we have Paul coming up talking about the year of Jubilee, you know, where, where one is restored to their inheritance, you know, I mean, I want to be restored to the original intention of God for the reason for which he planted this place 50 years ago. How many of you know, like, he birthed this in his heart before we ever saw something manifest in the natural? You know, this was his idea. You know, I, I talked with James Gall many years ago, and he had said, Sean, he goes, there's a reason why this place is called Harvest. It wasn't just a name we pulled out of the hat. You know, and what he was saying was, this was a church that was to be about the harvest. I'd like to get back to that. <laughs> you know, so this morning, in a maybe accelerated fashion, <laughs> uh, in, instead of continuing on in that vein, uh, and the, the, if I didn't say this, the, the first Sunday of every year, we like to just cast a little bit of vision. Like, where are we going? What's God saying? You know, what implications does that have on the calendar year? What's he, you know, we do an annual retreat with our staff and elders, and we really just try to hear God together. And, but instead of kind of unfolding that, I thought that this morning I would cast vision for the new year and for where Harvest is going straight from Scripture. So is it all right if we just teach vision from Scripture this morning? <laughs> and so we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4. 11 and 12 in this tried and true, very familiar passage. By the way, how do you like those graphics? That's sparkling apple cider in the background image. Just in case anybody needed to know, Jesus likely will turn it to wine before the end of the service today, but that's, that's on him, you know. He can do whatever he wants to do. Uh, verse 11, And he gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers, for, I would say, the express purpose of equipping the saints for the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. Now, while I'm fully aware that not all vocational ministers are called fivefold ministers, by the way, I think they probably ought to be saying, but I'm also fully aware that not everybody who you know, holds a fivefold office is necessarily paid 
to do that in the work of the ministry. But for the sake of our purposes today, I want to reference them as the, as the vocational ministers. Is that fair? So vocational ministers, the Bible tells us that they are given as a gift to the body of Christ to equip you for what? The work of the ministry. Some translations say work of ministry. Interestingly, this one, this is the NASB. It says for the work of service. And the result of that work of service is that the body itself is built up and ultimately established in maturity. Okay, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. I like how the Passion Translation renders the last part of verse 12. And it says, and as they do this, it's talking about you, as you step into your work of service... So in other words, as you're activated as the body of Christ, this will, it says they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So as you're activated and as a church begins to step into maturity, the church itself will begin to grow in width and in depth. Now, what I want to submit to you this morning is this reality. In the American church, the onus is placed upon the pastor and the pastoral staff to do what the scripture is now describing. It's always, for as long as I've known it, it's always been the responsibility of the pastor and the pastoral staff to build up the church, to move them into this place of maturity and to grow the church and to do all those things. It's always placed upon the pastors, but I'm here to tell you the scriptures actually place the responsibility on you. So if this place blows up, it's your fault. I'm teasing. It's a mutual responsibility. But you need to hear that in the scriptures because we've gotten it inverted in the body of Christ. You know, you, you will hear things like, well, we need to hire another pastor. Well, what do, you, what do you want us to hire another pastor to do? Well, we want them to do the work of the ministry. Right, but the scriptures say you're supposed to do the work of the ministry. So if I were to hire another pastor, he's actually just being hired on staff to equip you to work more, to equip you to work, to operate at a higher level, to serve better. I'm not actually hiring another pastor to do the work of the ministry, though certainly that's a byproduct usually of a good hire, right? Are you, are you hearing this this morning? Like, this is so important because we're talking about, like, where is harvest going? Like, what do we feel the breath of God on? And I, and I guess I want to submit to you, we feel the breath of God on getting back to the biblical ground that's laid in the New Testament in regard to how the local church is supposed to function. I think we've done everything that we are supposed to do as a church up till now, but I think God is now beginning to shift us. He's beginning to shift us. This is never, it was never intended in the heart of God to become a spectator sport where people come and listen to a professional on Sunday morning and that's the extent of their church experience. Yes, I just called myself a professional. So, that wasn't wasted on myself. I actually kind of liked hearing it. That's pretty good. <laughs> Apostles and church leaders are charged with the equipping of the saints. So then what does that even look like? Have you thought through that? I think we get a really good picture out of Acts chapter 6. So uh, let's, let's look at that really quick. We'll just turn there quite fast. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. This is what it says there. It says, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily service of food. Verse 2. So the twelve apostles summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among yourselves seven good men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who, may, who we may put in charge of this task. 
But we, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. How were the disciples, how were the apostles equipping the saints for the work of the ministry in this enlightening passage in Scripture? They were devoting themselves to the pursuit of God in the quiet place. We've been talking about the quiet place a little bit lately, haven't we? They were devoting themselves to the pursuit of God in the quiet place. They said, listen, I'm going to devote myself to studying out the scriptures. I'm going to devote myself to the place of prayer. What's that? That's communion with God. Like, I'm going to go after this communion with God. I'm going to get myself so in the presence of God and so consumed by the, by the reality of his word that, that what comes out of my mouth is the word of God, that when I'm squeezed, what comes out of my life is the word of God, is the, is the glory of God. Like, I'm going to soak in that place, and then out of the overflow of that place, I'm going to teach and I'm going to preach in the body. How did they equip the saints for the work of the ministry? They focused entirely on the pursuit of God and his word. And then ministered out of an overflow to the people who they would raise up to do the work of the ministry in the body. Are you, are you seeing this? This is so significant because, listen, I'm going to assume it to you. Most churches don't operate in this biblical pattern. <laughs> you know, what, what, this is, what this should ignite for us is this, this reality that it's not necessarily the pastor or the staff's responsibility to make this church great or even to, to move us to a place where we fulfill our call here in this community. It should move us to this place where we're ignited on the inside to go, wait a second, I have a place. I, I, I'm here on purpose and I, I'm supposed to step up and I'm, I'm supposed to take such ownership of this that it becomes like my living room. <laughs> I'm supposed to, as the body here, to take such ownership of this that when new people come through the door, it's like they're coming through the door of my home. And I'm going to treat them with the utmost hospitality and respect. And I'm going, to, you know, I'm, going to, I'm going to look for opportunities to serve. I'm going to look for opportunities to lay my life down here. Why? Because I'm the one, I'm speaking on behalf of you, who's called to the work of the ministry, to the work of service. You're looking for an opportunity to step up into service. And I guess that brings us to the question, when you come here, are you coming in with a mentality that says, oh, that's the stuff that pastor is supposed to do? Or are you coming in looking for an opportunity yourself to serve? Maybe I should say it a different way. When you come through those front doors, are you looking to be served by people? Or are you looking to invest and serve other people, because these scriptures call us as a biblical local church expression to come through those doors with service in our heart to consider others as better than ourselves with this mentality that says, I'm here to glorify God and part of the assignment in that is the work of the ministry. That looks like, having, that looks like putting a towel over my arm and becoming a waiter. You know that that's what the word means? When it says that you've been called, that my job is to equip you for the work of service, it means that, that I'm going to show you how to put the towel over your arm. And what does a waiter with a towel over his arm do? And if you, yeah, serve, thank you. I mean, have you ever served tables growing up and going through? Maybe some of you still, right? Like I served a whole lot of tables. And what was my job? To make sure that every need was addressed before they ever even knew they had a need. Before they ever even knew that their soda pop needed to be refilled, I was, I was, there, I was on it. I was, because I had eyes to see with intentionality to look to serve them with the best that I have. That's actually what this scripture is talking about. It's draping a towel over your arm, coming through that front door. And by the way, it's not just a Sunday expression. This is as a lifestyle. 
It's coming through the door with a towel draped over your arm, not looking to be served, not the one sitting down at the table, you know, ordering your glass of wine and doing whatever. I want the, I want the, I want the Kansas City strip. I don't know what a New York strip is, but it can't be good. <laughs> I want the Kansas City strip and the da 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 da. And this guy who we've hired is supposed to serve me. No, that's exactly inverted. We're supposed to come through the door with a towel on our arm, looking for opportunities like the waiter does, anticipating needs, looking for people perhaps who were downtrodden that day and then being the solution to that problem. You know, looking for people who are, uh, you know, how many of you, like joy is part of the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy. Come on, Nathan, sing it to me. He'd be the first one to take me up on it. So settle down. He'll actually do it. Right? Joy is a part of the kingdom. It's recognizing people who have slipped out of the kingdom a little bit. They're walking in with the weight of the world on their shoulders and recognizing you actually carry on the inside of you the answer, the solution to the problem. You know, and rather than looking for someone to serve you, let's just say you're the depressed guy coming through the front door. You know the best way out of your depression is to actually release joy over somebody. You were actually called to serve one another. Half the reason we're depressed is because we're still sitting around waiting for others to serve us. Like it's time to begin to recognize the biblical model to walk through the front door to look for our target that day. Holy Spirit, who would you have me lay hands on today? Who would you have me? I'm feeling on top of the world today. Who would you have me release joy over today in this house? I'm coming in intentionally looking for an opportunity. You know, the other day, a young man sits right here, second row, always in that chair. Except for today, where are you, Nico? <laughs> the other day, I, was, I, I had stepped down off the stage. And without having been asked, he starts walking through. And he's picking up trash all around in the seats. You know, and, and I had blown my nose and threw my rag down there under my chair. I would get it eventually, but I hadn't gotten there yet. And, you know, he went away, pulled out his own tissue and came over and got that nasty rag with all my germs all over it. Why? Because he was laying down his life to serve here because he caught something. Right? What would this this look like if we were all operating like Nico? (laughs) What would it look like if we were doing that in our community? What would it look like if outside these four walls we began to put that towel over our arm? And we began to look for opportunities to partner with God everywhere we go because I'm a minister of the gospel. I think it starts to look a whole lot more like it's supposed to. Man, we can't wait to get healed enough, patched up enough, spiritual enough, enough, you know, like apologetic education or a seminary degree. You can't, you, you're never going to be good enough to go share the gospel. Somebody's always going to stump you. Like, you're never going to be good enough or more you know, powerful enough, you know, to be the evangelist or to, to lay hands on the sick and all that kind of stuff. You go now. You, you grow in the going. You, 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 you mature in the doing, not at the waiting, not at the sitting back. That's never been the process. So if some of you are out there kind of going, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know that I qualify. Let me just submit to you. You qualify. You qualify. We need you to step up. And we need you to begin to do the work of the ministry. You have a fit. You have a place here. We need you. We need what you carry. We need you to get engaged. When you're not engaged, we suffer. And you suffer. And the cause of the gospel is not advanced at the rate that God intends. Is this making sense to anybody today?
What I find interesting here is the apostles, circling back a bit, it says that they, they looked for people who were filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and it says to set them in charge of these tasks. Many scholars believe these were actually the first deacons, and as you know, there's quite a list of qualifications for what a deacon would look like scripturally. It rivals that of a church elder. So these are no insignificant people. These were people who they recognized something powerful in, and they called them, and it says, to put them in charge of the task. I don't believe you see these seven young people coming in and necessarily doing all of the service stuff. It says he put them in charge, and those individuals who in charge, I think, were looking into the body of Christ, and they were pulling people into service, and those uh, lay people were in charge of those who were, they were pulling in service. Can you see what I'm saying there? Look for seven ones filled with the Holy Spirit who meet the criteria outlined for a deacon. Put them in charge of this task. Call them to recruit people from the body to begin to satisfy the ministry needs that are in the house. Here's what I find interesting about it. Those seven young people that they called, I assume they're young because you have Stephen and Philip and those guys. Although Philip may not have been that young. I don't know. But they, they, they pulled these guys in who I would submit to you had full-time jobs, kids, they had kids at home. You know, they, they, had, they had PTA and softball practice. You know, they had, the, they had all the other stuff, you know, that, that, they were, that they were doing behind the scenes. What, what am I getting at? What I'm getting at is that the biblical model wasn't just to hire out a bunch of pastoral staff who could do the work of the ministry, but the biblical model was to get people just like you who have a life outside these four walls, and it seemed to work in the New Testament. These were people who were working full-time. They were engaged in, in, in their regular life, and yet somehow they found the time to be put in charge of the service realm of the church, and then they called others who were, with, who were a part of that body to engage in the service that they were now in charge over. Now, if you read that scripture, it doesn't look like the apostles, or let's just call them the vocational leaders. It doesn't look like the vocational leaders even had any direct management of the programs at all. <laughs> wow, isn't that a flip? They didn't have apparently any direct management at all. Why? They fully delegated it to people who had a life and a full-time job outside of the church so that they could devote themselves fully to the Word of God and to communing with God in His presence so that they actually had something to offer when they were teaching and preaching rather than just being moved and operating out of gifting alone. I mean, gifting will take us to some place, and most people won't recognize the difference, but I'll tell you this, I know the difference. Your spirits know the difference. This model releases the pastoral staff to be in hungry pursuit of God, which creates hunger in the body to go after God at a higher level, for the presence of God to come in at a higher level, and ultimately from the, for the fruit of the kingdom to operate and to be seen at a higher level as the people of God begin to actually get engaged. So Harvest, you want to know where we're headed? This is where we're headed. This is what we're doing. This is what we're putting. All of our eggs are in this basket. We want to look like this local church because I don't want to do the work of the ministry anymore. I just want to equip you. <laughs> because I want to be able to spend enough time in the presence of God that I have something to offer you. Instead of the fumes. I don't want to go, oh, I've got to run another HDMI cable. Why? Because I'm the guy that does all of that. Thank you, Chris, by the way. Yeah. Applaud to the... 
<laughs> By the way, the next two months, this is what you're going to see as we begin to step into those renovations from this Saturday. So it's going to be good. You know, I want to be able to spend enough time in the presence of God that I actually have something to offer you. That when I speak, I can speak with the, like as an oracle of God. These very words. That when I lay my hands on the sick, they recover. And not just be endlessly busy with all of the tasks and all of the other extra stuff that ultimately keep me from doing why, the, the things that God placed me here to do. Church should look a lot different than I think that it does. Back to our verse in Ephesians. Verse 12. Actually, we're just going to repeat verse 12. It's for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, verse 13, until all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure and the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The Apostle Paul is making a lot of words there simply to say we're going to be doing this model until Jesus comes. Like this is the model that we prescribe for a healthy church moving forward and we're going to do that until Jesus comes back, verse 14. And then as a result, now listen to this, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all respects into him who is head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let's focus primarily on that last verse, verse 16. Notice here how it says this, that the whole body being fitted and held together. So uh, imagine how well I would walk if I was missing a leg. If you're missing a leg this morning, we will pray for you. We'll ask Jesus to create a brand new one, but just for sake of purpose, imagine how well I would walk without a leg. How, how you know, much physical labor could I do without a hand, a finger, an arm, right? Would you agree that we're diminished when something is not fitted together in my body in the way that God has intended it to be? So what it's suggesting here then is, let me, just, let me just speak broadly, especially perhaps to some of you who are still at home watching us online. If you're not here, there's a gap. My finger's gone, my arm, my hand, whatever it is. Whatever it is that you represent, if you are not here getting yourself plugged in, there is a gap. If you want to do the building analogy, you're a living stone. When the living stone grows legs and walks off, there's a hole in the wall and the weather of the storms get in. We can't weather the storms as a church if you're not present helping us erect the temple of God. Right? When you're gone, there are gaps. When you're not uniquely fitted in, the church isn't able to function in the way that it's intended by God to function. But listen to the way that it describes it here, verse 16. It says, we're being fitted, to get, fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. What's it saying to us? It's saying that every single one of you, you're here on purpose, that there's, like God has purposed something in you uniquely for this place where you've arrived. He has called you to be here to carry something, to supply something to this body. We need you. 
We need what you have. There's a place here for you. There's a place for you to exist. There's a place for you to thrive. We are missing out and you're missing out if you're not actively and intentionally engaging in this environment. Like every, we are fitted together as a body and everyone has something that that you're meant to supply the body. There's blood flowing through this thing. You have a unique portion here that you're intended by God to provide. And it says, according to the proper working of every individual part. There's a lot of lame people out there. Good news is Jesus heals lame people. That's a good word. I need a t-shirt, Melvin. Just remember that for Christmas next year. (laughs) That every part has a place. Every part has a purpose. You have a place. You have a purpose. And according to your proper working here, when that happens, when the body of Christ begins to engage at the level that God designed and has communicated via his scripture, when you step into that, when you put the towel over your arm, it says the body is built up into maturity. It says we literally begin to grow in depth and in width. Now, I think sometimes, and this is what I've seen over the years. We've been, this is our 13th year here. Over the years, I've seen things like this. Well, Pastor Sean, I, I wanna, you know, I'm an avid golfer, and I, I want to start a golfing ministry. But there aren't any golfers at Harvest. It's theoretical. Except for Gwen. Get Gwen if this is your heart. There aren't any, there aren't any golfers at Harvest, so I'm just not going to do anything. Because I really believe God's calling me to do this, this golf thing, and clearly that's not going to happen here, and I think I'm supposed to be here, so I guess, I guess I'm, just, I'm just not going to do anything. No, I don't think that's what the Scripture is talking about. Like, I, I don't, don't take this so narrowly where it's like, well, I'm specifically called to do, to do this sort of thing, and that doesn't happen here, so I'm just not going to serve. No, God's calling you to get plugged in and engaged in the body. I would submit to you where there's a need. Right? Like if this is your house, then you have a responsibility to wash some dishes once in a while. Anybody actually like dishes? Okay, you very care. I'm glad you're very wise people because you are about to I have some stuff at house still that needs to get done. Right, there's a lot of stuff that we do. I don't particularly care to vacuum or clean my toilets, but you know what? I do all of those things because I actually live in the house. You live in this house. Yeah, how many of you know, if you're going to really truly be family here, there are some things that you can do, and along the way, you're looking for opportunities. A service role here is just simply an opportunity for you to have your eyes open and to be intentional to do what you're called to do. And at the base level, all of us are called to address the needs of the people that are around us, just like I talked about earlier. Man, you look like you need a hug. You would have never known that had you not been serving in the kitchen. Oof, looks like you could use some prayer. You'd have never known that unless you were serving in the children's area. Right? So it's not about your golf ministry. It's getting plugged into the family. It's about taking ownership of the ministry. It's about accepting and receiving the equipping that's present and then actually activating your life and engaging at that level so that we can make this place great. So that we can ultimately, by extension, transform Johnson County and the surrounding region. We do that. It says literally we begin to grow in depth and in width when the body itself rises up in maturity. Listen to the very last line of Ephesians, verse 16. Note what it says here. This is so important. It causes the growth of the body. This is the very last comma. 
causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Do you hear what it's saying? For the building up of itself. So this is what maturity looks like. You want to know what a mature body of Christ or a local church expression, a mature expression is when the body itself is beginning to engage one another in body ministry. It's when you all begin to realize that you're kings and priests and you haven't come here to get served by me. You've come here to engage and serve others because you know that you have the same Holy Spirit that I've got. And if the same Holy Spirit who resurrected Jesus is living in you, then you've got the same power flowing through your veins, whether or not you've seen something or not. He's calling you to engage because he has equipped you for the work of the ministry at whatever level you find yourself coming in here at. He needs you to get engaged. This is what a mature body looks like. You know what an immature body looks like? One that's completely dependent upon the pastoral staff to do everything. Man, I just want to come and, like, you know, we want the worship to be amazing. We want that preaching to be amazing, and it always is. But, you know, and we want, but, and, and I just, I just have had a tough week. I just want to, I just want to receive. I just, yeah, I don't want to do anything. I just, man, like, I'm a mom of four, and those kids have been running me ragged. I don't want to serve in the nursery, not even once a quarter. Let somebody else do that. Just like, isn't that what we hired you know, Kayla for, so she could minister to my, I just need a break. So it doesn't sound anything like what we're reading in scripture, does it? Amen, Rumi. Amen. It's 1136. We're going to, we're going to, I mean, I, you know, we've got another few pages, but you know, it's okay. It's all right. Well, I think you're getting the point. <laughs> Let me close with this. This is why we've created the Destiny Group program. This is it. This is, at, at Harvest, we, we gather, we grow, and we go. This is our process. This is what we do. All of our eggs are in this process. Right now, you're gathering. Would you be willing to grow with us? See, there's, there's only so much that I can accomplish on a Sunday morning. And I hope that, that we have the best Sunday morning experience in the entire you know, like tri-county region. Now, I hope that. I, I, we, we strive for that, and I think we do a pretty darn good job around here. You know? But would you believe, like, I'd be in the middle of preaching a series on Sunday. I'll literally have people come up to me and go, I think you ought to. I'll be like, I'll be preaching about hot dog. I got a series on hot dog. Somebody will come up to me on, like, the fourth message, and they'll go, you know what? I think you really ought to preach about hot dogs someday. I'm on the fourth week of preaching about hot dog. Where have you even, you've been here, have you been, you've been here every week? What do you mean I should preach about hot dogs? What's my point? You only get so much on a Sunday morning. We're called to go make disciples. If this is all we've got, we're not doing a very good job. At any given message, you're getting usually statistically like 10% of what I'm laying down, which is why someone would come to me and say, hey, you should preach about hot dogs. And I'm like, bro, I'm like literally right now preaching about hot dogs. Right? You're only getting a little bit. So where does the rest of it happen? Well, we believe that it happens house to house. We believe that it happens in smaller groups, which we've deemed destiny groups. So if you're in this place and you're like, I'm just really, I'm just really feeling disconnected. I just don't know anybody. That's because you're not engaged in our life group program, our destiny group program. That's because you've circumvented the process and you're not in that grow phase, which is where we make disciples. 
and where we connect deeply as family together. So if you're feeling a little bit lost and you're like, I just don't even know how to plug in, I'm telling you right now, this is how you plug in around here. This is how you get engaged. This is how you create an environment of people when you walk through that front door who are intentionally looking at your demeanor. They know your life. They know what was going on with your kids that week. They're looking for you, and when you don't show up, they miss you, and they're calling you, and they're engaging with you, and they're recognizing what's going on in your life, and they're dropping food off at your house. If you know Rosie, she's doing that anyway. But... <laughs> Right, like that's where this happens. I, I, like my pastoral staff can't see everything. People get so offended. Like so and so was in the hospital. Did you know? No, I didn't know. Are they in a destiny group? What's their destiny group pastor doing? Like you understand? Like there's too many people for me to keep track of every detail of your life. But that has genuinely been the expectation for the normal American church. Like, can we break that expectation? And can we begin to do the work of the ministry? I, I say, yes, I think we can turn the corner. I think we can do it. That's why we've created the program. We gather, we grow, and we go. We go into maturity. We can talk about that more. And we will talk about that more as we continue. It's time to get involved. It's time to get engaged. We don't ask very much of you. In fact, we have intentionally narrowed our entire focus to this very simple process because what I don't want to do is to overload you with a bunch of programs that you're expected to come to. It's like we have eight things going on in the week, and if you're a good spiritual Christian, you're at every single one of them. Now, see, we're not, that's not what we want to do here. So we've narrowed it down. If you want to be a member at Harvest, we ask that you would reflect it in your time your talent, and your treasure. It's that simple. Gather with us. Sunday is once a week. Your destiny group is once a week. That's not a big commitment. But it is the scripturally prescribed pathway for success in life and health. So gather with us. Invest your time here. Invest your talents with us. Because I really do need people who can help with HDMI cables. You know? Do you know that somewhere in the middle of the week, every week, that I go out there with a shovel and shovel the gravel back in the gravel back in the driveway? You know, why do I do that? Because I don't want gravel strewn throughout all the place. Because I have a value for my new visitors when they come, actually thinking we have something decent here to offer. Why am I doing that? Because you're not. Smile at me. <laughs> right? That's the reality. So. Invest your talents with us. Man, if you're called to teach, we want you stepping in teaching. We want you to leave a life, lead a life group someday. You know, and, and, and invest your resources, your treasure. Listen, like God himself said, he would reward you. We talked about it just this morning. There's a destiny group that's kind of slotted to uh, be around the appropriate stewardship of that this year, which is going to be brilliant. You know, but invest the first fruits of your resources. One, because this is the pathway to honoring God. And two, because it helps us accomplish that for which he planted us 50 years ago. Can't do it without resources. Those resources come from us. Is this making sense? All right, you have exactly 18 minutes to shake those hands, beat those babies, and get your butts to the Chiefs game. We did good. We did good. Father, thank you for the life that's being poured out in this place. Thank you for your mission. Thank you for speaking to us. 
for challenging us, for honing us into this mission and to this process that you have prescribed for our success. Our vision is to look exactly as you've called us to look, Jesus. We just, want to look like, we just want to look like what you're saying. We just want to do what you're saying. We want to give you maximum glory. And we want to make disciples of all of every tribe and every tongue. Help us to do that, God. And we ask this new year as we break into 2023, God, that you would stir our hearts, that you would stir our people, that you would stir not just these that are here, but those who couldn't make it this morning and those who are joining with us online that you would stir their hearts, that they would engage at a level of like towel over the arm service to one another, that they would engage in going deep, that this mentality of just coming on a Sunday and just kind of making that the deal, like that would be broken over this house, that we would have fully engaged, fully fulfilled, powerful disciples of Christ in this house who are going out in maturity and leading to their potential, who are reaching their spheres for you, making your name great wherever they go. We're asking, would you do that this year? Would we see your powerful hand over this process and over your people as you build this house this year? In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.